you're listening to an Electrical Industries Charity podcast. Before we get started, it's important to let you know that we're going to be talking about complex issues which may be triggering, so we hope that you only listen if you feel that you're in the right headspace to do so. Please check the show notes for a more detailed description of this episode's content. These stories and this podcast are unique and personal to the people we're speaking with, and the views and opinions of our guests do not necessarily represent those of the Electrical Industries Charity. So let's jump in. Welcome to the Electrical Industries podcast, where today we'll be exploring anxiety, which is the theme of this year's Mental Health Awareness Month. So I'm Kate from the marketing team at the EIC. And I'm joined by Debs Shepherd, who is the founder of Mindful Butterfly and one of our incredible mental health first aider trainers. So Debs, thanks so much for joining us today. Before we start talking about the topic of anxiety, um, do you want to just tell us a bit more about who you are and what you do? Yeah, fabulous. And thanks, Kate, for asking me along. I'm really happy to be here tonight. Passionate about mental health for everybody. We've all got it and we've got to understand it. So, yes, I have my own company, Mindful Butterfly, and I'm really privileged to deliver training for the Electrical Industries Charity. Been a fabulous journey getting to know you guys and what you do. Um, Mindful Butterfly is my company. It's a very strange long name, and I called it that because mental health is a journey. And when you're a caterpillar, you don't know you're going to be a beautiful butterfly. And it's a little bit by mental health. You don't know what it's going to be like at the end of your journey. And it is a journey, Kate. So, yeah, passionate about what I do, deliver to different industries. But, yeah, the electrical industry is is in need at the minute and you're fulfilling that need. So I'm very pleased to be here with you. Amazing. And we are so grateful that you are working with us, Debs. We have such amazing feedback from your courses. So let's dive straight into it. So we're talking today about anxiety, why it happens, how you feel, how you can manage it, all of those different things. So the first thing that I think we should start talking about is obviously we know, um, particularly at the charity, that so many of our people experience anxiety. But can you talk to us a little bit about like, why did we get it? And and what's the, what's the purpose? Why do we get anxiety? Haha. Yeah, deep question. It goes way, way back to like caveman times. We get anxiety to keep us safe. It is a natural response, Kate, to a perceived danger, perceived threat to keep us safe. So before your um, your, your frontal lobes start operating, your crocodile brain kicks in. If there's danger, I'm going to react. And that yeah. is what it is. It's the reaction to perceived threat. You've actually got four real responses, which is fight, flight, freeze, or flop. We forget the flop. Um, we and I've forget seen, the flop. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like play dead, play possum. I've seen lambs <laughs> do it on the farm where I was. If you try and pick one up, it'll just go like a rag doll and you think, oh my God, I've killed it. And then you go to pick it up and off it goes. The, it's, it's a real reaction to perceived threat and danger. So it's something to keep us safe. Um, but over over the years, if that response gets out of proportion to that mm. perceived threat or mm. the perceived threat is no longer there, then anxiety can become a bit of a problem for us. Yeah, really interesting that it can manifest in, in quite a few different ways. And I guess back in the day of Caveman Day, it was your survival, okay? But in the modern world now, 
we know that everyone suffers with it, with anxiety at, at a different level, but how does that manifest itself then? So what, what are the kind of signs or symptoms? Well, think to yourself, if you've got to do a presentation and you're a bit worried about it and you're standing up in the front of everybody, what starts to happen to your tummy? Does it start to play like the washing machine? Butterflies in your tummy? So that's one very physical manifestation of anxiety. And for young children, for youngsters, it's tummy aches. You know, I've got a tummy ache, I've got a tummy ache, I don't know why. Uh, for older, it could become headaches, It aches and pains in your body. You know, you don't quite know why, but it's quite a physical manifestation at that level. So your aches and pains, your shoulders start to creep up around your ears at the end of a very long, anxious day, and you've got to put them back down again. Um, what else? Maybe sweating a bit extra, sweaty palms, sweaty armpits, um, flushing. You know, people go a bit red up their chest and up their face. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. I haven't, luckily, but I know people that have, and I think like that's one of the way it manifests itself. That one's probably one of the worst because it's so obvious to people that it's happening, right? And then that causes you anxiety as well. So it kind yeah. of just becomes this perpetual circle. We've talked a little bit about like some of the, the ways it can come out in you. Um, from a physical point of view, what about like what are the, what are some of the things that might cause people to be anxious? Are there certain things that that might trigger that anxiety, or people that might might suffer from anxiety more than others? Different things to different people will trigger it, and not always the same thing. You could be anxious about one thing one day, and then you'll be fine about it the next. We talked about the physical, you know, manifestations, which. Um, also can include sweating and sh we said sweating but shaking um, mm. and it it might manifest itself as panic you know in your body as well so yeah just backtracking a bit because there are a few more of those physical manifestations which you don't always realize frequent loo trips you know if you've been yeah. with someone I'm just popping to the loo just going to the loo again and, it, and yeah it's because it, you've just got that worry in your tummy uh, yeah and those physical things can then cross over to emotional and behavioural. Yeah, we didn't right. really touch on that to expand mm. on that. Emotionally, if someone is highly anxious all the time, they're a bit uptight um, and can appear to be highly strong and can fly off the handle quite quickly. So if you're dealing or working with someone who keeps flying off the handle, maybe their anxiety levels are high. So behaviourally, okay. you'll start to notice things as well. Yeah, and yeah. the causes we, we can look at. But um, from a work point of view and a work colleague point of view, if you're dealing with someone, if you're lit, if you're working with someone who has high anxiety, something else I wanted to highlight is anxiety actually transmutes from one person to another. If you were caveman number one and there's a saber-toothed yeah. tiger outside the cave and number yeah. two, caveman number two, two comes up and you've got to let that person know that there's a tiger there. You can't tell him because the tiger's going to hear that. So what anxiety does, it jumps because it's protection for us, safety, it'll jump. And so if you're if you're helping someone who's highly anxious, that will transmute to you and your heart rate will start to go up and you will start to feel a little bit prickly. So it's very good to know that because if you're working with someone who's highly anxious all the time, your anxiety levels will come up. I guess yes. the same, not just people that you work with, Devs, but it might be your friends or some of your family, family. and it, in 
yeah, it's really interesting and not not something that we've really explored before. But I think yeah. it's really it's good that you flagged it because it it's important that people can recognise that. Um, yes. And maybe you know they they might not think of themselves as an anxious person, but actually if they're always around anxious people, it comes it up. Can start it's a bit of a monster. It starts to roll. It wants you to join in because, hey, there's a tiger there. We've got to watch out. So no tiger. You're going to have to go low and slow. Bring it back down. You've got to have a yeah. conscious decision. Slow your breathing. Slow your heart rate. It's going to yeah. be fine. Low and slow because that will bring that person back down bit yeah. by bit because their anxiety yeah. antennae is going to, well, maybe there isn't something to be so worried about. Or bringing low. it down, yeah, low yes. and slow. So that's a good low and slow one to yeah. remember. It's a good tip. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah. I wanted to ask you a little bit, Debs, about you mentioned something about it before, but panic attacks. Is that yeah. is that a form of anxiety? Totally, and very scary for someone who's never had a panic attack before. It mm. appears to that person they might be dying. It might be like yeah. a heart attack that real and and that frightening. So if you are helping someone with a panic attack, again, low and slow, it's going to be okay. We're going to stay with you until this passes. But it could be very scary. If you think it might be a heart attack, 999. Um, but if it's not, low and slow, stay with that person. Make sure they're safe. Very often sitting on the floor is a good place. Um, and let them know it will pass and you're there with them until it does pass. And be aware they might be very tired afterwards. Yeah. Because yeah. it's an adrenaline rush and there's been nowhere for that to go. And then afterwards, very deflated, extremely tired, need some TLC and a safe yes. place to stay for a while. Yeah. Okay. To be honest, Kate, panic attacks is just one of the ways that anxiety will manifest itself. There are yeah. some coping behaviours that people use if they have heightened anxiety one of them is turning potentially to something that gives you a sense of ease and comfort. Well, we know what that is. Wine yeah. o'clock, G&T o'clock, yes. pint o'clock down the pub on the way home. We we yeah. do use alcohol um, as a way of just relaxing and taking the edge off. Unfortunately, long term, that will increase anxiety, along with increased use of, of caffeine, because we hit the coffee when we're a bit anxious. Let's have another one and it'll keep us going and actually... Um, caffeine, do you know how many micrograms a day we are not supposed to have above? Well, I don't, Debs, because I don't drink caffeine, so I have no idea. Three cups, three cups of percolated coffee is about 300 micrograms of caffeine. And that's about your limit, Kate, because if you go above that, it'll start to rattle and shake around your body. <laughs> yeah, the same oh, with the monster mate. drinks, the Red Bulls, all of those. The heart rate will go up. You'll feel a little bit hypervigilant. You'll be on edge, which some people like. But if you have anxiety, it's not a great idea. It's not a good thing. Okay, so I think our conclusion for the kind of introduction of this is that anxiety can affect anyone in different ways it can manifest itself in very different ways it could be something as simple as a bit of a sweaty palm or a racing heart rate right through to a full-on panic attack the key thing and i want to explore this a little bit more but the key thing is that if you're around someone with anxiety to just keep calm low and slow yeah um because it what's the phrase what does it do when it transfers to you it transmutes from one person transmutes. to another transmutes Let's talk a little bit more about, we talked a lot about the physical 
we've touched on emotional and behavioral. Let's talk a little bit about, I guess, if you've experienced or you've been with someone that, that has experienced anxiety, what can you do to try and help yourself or help that person? Let, let's go help yourself first. Help yourself. Distraction techniques always distraction techniques because you're trying to divert this energy force into something else than imploding on yourself so distraction techniques of self-care through possible breathing techniques grounding techniques to know that no there's no saber-toothed tiger it's going to be fine it's going to be fine we'll get through this so distraction with breathing techniques mindfulness um some people will even just count to themselves just to ground themselves yes i do that if i'm giving a speech or a a presentation and i can feel myself like you're up on a stage and i can feel myself starting to get a bit bit anxious i kind of stop breathe count to five in my head and then go again so it works and smile <laughs> pretend you're not feeling like that <laughs> fake it to make it yeah <laughs> and then the anxiety will start to dissipate because you've got on top of it yeah yeah and, and and is that kind of the key thing devs to like try and get control of it recognize yeah. it when it's happening because particularly for young people it's very difficult to find good coping techniques because we're not taught them very often yeah unless you're very fortunate you know, anxiety can be due to do with emotional inner pain and distress and lack of control. You know, we talked, we didn't quite touch on all the reasons I sidetracked you off of that, but many reasons for feeling anxious, being out of control, having a low self-esteem, not being um, able to voice your, your worries and your concerns. There's many reasons uh, for that. But to recognize those and to find how to cope with them is key. You know, as a society, I'll say, Kate, we're quite behind the curve, really, because if we have physical pain, we go and take painkillers, maybe. If we have emotional pain, distress, what do we do? What is there on the table? Very little. And sometimes that manifests itself as anxiety. You don't know what to do. And so for some people, they might turn to drink or drugs. They might turn to using self-harming behaviours. They might turn eating disorders, you know, all of those things can come in when you don't know how to deal with that inner distress and inner pain. So first of all is to recognize it. So what is your sign that you are getting highly anxious? And we each have one. You know, for me, I start swearing a lot. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) whoops. Yeah, when my gets blue. I'm glad you're not feeling anxious on this call, Debs, and swearing a lot. (laughs) I'm very relaxed. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you need to know your your kind of stressing your sign. Yeah. Yes. Your signs of when you're getting anxious. You know, do you start tapping? Do you start clicking? Do you start pacing? Do you go very mm. quiet? What is your sign that you're becoming anxious? That's yeah. key. Know yourself around that. And if you do start to become anxious, what can you do to reduce that anxiety level? It's different for everyone. Um, what, you know, what, 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 well, you count when you're on stage and you have to give a presentation, just yeah. think to yourself, what tools have I got? What coping mechanisms have I got to reduce that level of anxiety before it gets too much, before yeah. it starts to impact physically on me where I sweat and shake and all of those things we've talked about. And I think, you know, that 
I think people can relate to and, and would be able to maybe recognize their signs and, and what they can do to, to reduce their anxiety when it's related to a specific thing. So we've talked about like, you know, when I have to present on a stage or, um, you know, some people get anxious about social events and, and things like that. But, and you know, actually quite a lot of people we, that we speak to do get anxious around social events and, and our industry is quite a social event heavy industry. So there's a lot of people out there that don't feel as comfortable do, doing those sorts of things. But what happens when someone can't pinpoint what's making them anxious? Yeah, yeah. There's something called generalised anxiety disorder, which are all the signs and symptoms that come up with anxiety in a more general way. And it's difficult to know. And it takes about six months to get a diagnosis through the medical profession for generalised anxiety disorder. And that's hard if you don't know exactly what it is. So it could go back to lifestyle. You know, things, it could be that you've been out on the lash all weekend and you haven't quite realised how much you've drunk. Or it could be an acute life event from the past. It could be something coming back at you that you've had a memory that's been triggered. But if you don't recognise it, so talking, talking is a fabulous thing to try and work through why you're feeling like you're feeling. And that, so as, as you know, Debs, our industry is is uh, quite male dominated. Um, and we know that, you know, that there's stats out there that suggest that men find it much harder to speak about their feelings and, and if they are feeling anxious than, than women. So what is your view on that and, and what can we do to try and break that stigma? Wow. Wow. That too goes back to caveman, the hunter gatherer. Don't be weak. You've got to be strong. You mustn't show anyone your weak spots because it's dangerous, doesn't it? So it's hard to go against that inner nature from all those years ago. So I think it's a learning process that we are going through at the minute. And thank goodness that we are coming through the other side with all the support networks that are out there. You know, there's many, I don't know what the EIC have got in your box, but I know there's Andy's Man Club, there's Men's Sheds, there's Josh Connolly's stuff. There's a lot of growth now in blokes being able to go and talk about their stuff on a Tuesday night with other blokes and just share the, chew the cut. <laughs> I was going to say share, share the share, but I wasn't going to say it because I'm not going to swear. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because you're not feeling anxious, Debs. <laughs> no, I'm not. No. Um, and I think men are understanding that better now. You know, men are talking about their health more, their physical health, prostate yeah. cancer. They're talking how to look after themselves better, mm-hmm. giving themselves permission to maybe be a bit vulnerable, which is difficult, isn't it? Nobody likes to be vulnerable, Kate. No, no, exactly. And but I think it's one of the best things that, that you can do because once you open up and, and show that vulnerability, you'd be amazed at, at the positive things that can come from that. And I think, you know, the positive thing is that as a society, we are seeing mental health becoming more and more talked about and, and moved up the agenda. You know, like as you said earlier, physically, if you have a physical thing, you, you take a pill or you go to the doctor or something. Whereas if it's emotional or mental health, it's much more difficult to do that. But, you know, people do talk more about mindfulness. They do talk about how the effects of exercise can can help you. Um, and and you're right, there are more and more things for men. And, and we are definitely seeing when we do our well-being talks and 
and some of our training courses that we are getting more and more men on there and and they're you know and they are opening up and, and showing that vulnerability so it, it's it's great that that we've got that and I think one of the key things for us as a charity is that we want to normalize these conversations and normalize anxiety that people get it like most people you know will get it it's nothing to be ashamed of it's just about small things you know even if it's that saying hello to someone at the post office and having that connection what what, what are your thoughts on that that the better we get at connecting with ourselves as a society the better our mental health will get i think we've become hugely disconnected over the last four decades five decades um, and now we're learning. And I think lockdown taught us a bit of a lesson, the importance yeah. of knowing your neighbour, the importance yeah. of saying, hey, how are you doing? You know, even yeah. if it was just outside the door from one person to another, just to see if everyone was OK. And if we can hold on to that, we will build a healthier community to yeah. know that we can check in with our neighbours. And that's, that's what we need to be doing. We have to look after ourselves. We really do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, and it's that old thing of like ask if someone's okay and then ask again, you know. Yeah. So, Debs, I really want to talk a bit more about some examples of of things that might make people anxious and some coping mechanisms, like really practical advice for people. So, one of the things that 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 uh, we've come across before is someone feels really anxious about social situations and and that could even be with like their own friends going out for dinner or for or for drinks so what would you say would be some like practical advice that they could do to try and ease their anxiety wow yeah not an unusual one kate that's for sure so to ease your anxiety i would absolutely be honest and open with your friends in your social circle to know let them know what situation you're in and yeah. to let them know what's going to help you, which is things like not changing the venue last minute, <laughs> because in my head, I know where I'm going and I've planned it out and you change that venue and woo, that's more difficult, not changing the time because I, I will have planned when I need to get ready, how I need to get ready and yeah. the transport there and back, all those little things and who's going to be there as well. So change, last minute changes are very difficult for someone with heightened anxiety around social situations. So stability yeah. and not ch no changes, yeah, if possible. As a friend of that person, it's having that in mind and not making those changes, etc. <laughs> like that's what you can do as a friend to help that person. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What um, about giving a presentation at work or or personally, but giving a presentation? Yes. Again, not uncommon for people to feel really nervous and anxious around that. So be prepared, make sure physically you're well rested and that you're well hydrated because anxiety sucks the moisture out of you. You know, when your mouth goes dry, just need yeah. another glass of water. <laughs> so well prepared physically the night before to make sure you're on top form that way if you can be. And then to make sure you know where the venue is, what the stage is like. You might even go beforehand to do a little run through, practice mm makes yeah. progress doesn't it and once you've done it once it's familiarity and anxiety yeah. hates familiarity once you're familiar it'll start to disappear it's no it'll longer disappear. the beastie yes. yeah and i guess even if you're doing something virtually like you can go and practice it in front of the mirror or and i've seen some people as well before they present like physically you know like shake it off and that kind of thing 
not not suggesting everyone needs to do that, but <laughs> I like that one. Do that one again. Yeah. Shake it off. Again. <laughs> Move. Move. Yes, anxiety. Get rid of that anxiety. Get rid of it. Distract it. <laughs> one more for you, Devs. One more. A common one that I've seen and I've definitely experienced is this is this worry of traveling and like getting somewhere on time. So like I've had it before where I've had an interview or something and that anxiety of, oh God, which way is it? Will I get there on time, et cetera? So what are your top tips around that? Again, prior preparation, you know, it'll prevent poor performance. It'll reduce your anxiety. Know where you've got to get to. How are you going to get to it? I would even suggest if you're that concerned, do a trial run. Do, you know, yeah. plan your route, do the route so you know how to get there if it's feasible yeah. and if it's not too costly. Or if not, you can even do it in your mind. You can do a mind journey through it. So I know I'm going to get on the tube at this station. I'm getting off at that station. I know where I'm going to park my car. You know, be in the moment, be present through that journey. So when you yeah. get there, you feel less stressed and more ready to do the best that you can be. Yeah. Yeah. Great advice. So that brings us to nearly the end of our podcast. And I hope you've enjoyed it as much as me and Debs have. Just one final thing from you. We've talked a lot about how people can try and help themselves with their experience anxiety. But are there any key apps or resources out there that you would recommend people use? Great question, Kate. There are more and more on the market to, to explore, but some of the key ones that I always say are great. AnxietyUK.org are a good organization along with Mind. If self-harm is something that you are experiencing, there's an app called Calm Harm, which is brilliant, along with a charity called Battle Scars Charity. Um, a new one is called Harmless. That's excellent for helping people with a tendency to use self-harm as a coping mechanism. If it's eating disorders, then Beat. Beat are a fabulous, well-known charity. And if it's a male eating disorder, which are less talked about, but still just as dangerous, um, Male Voiced. Male Voiced is a, is, a, is a small charity that help males with eating disorders. Um, and if it's panic attacks, no panic. That's another one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And what about things like, you know, these apps that, that you've got? I, I use Headspace, for example, or the Calm app. Yes, they're, they're really good to calm you at night, to get you to sleep, to help you order your mind because we have very busy minds. Um, we are human beings, but we have become human doings. So we need yeah. to get back to the human beings. <laughs> what a great line to end on, Debs. Debs, thanks so much for joining us today on this special edition podcast all around anxiety for Mental Health Awareness Month. We're really, really grateful. Um, I think it's been a great conversation. And I just want to say to anyone listening that your charity is here for you. So if you are experiencing any anxiety or any of the things that we've talked about please get in touch if you or somebody else working in the electrical or energy industries is in need of support or you wish to donate to the electrical industries charity please get in touch via email at support at electricalcharity.org or you can call us on 0800 652 1618